What's up, everybody? Derek Dernberger here with The Break Podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day and you're getting some things done, accomplished. I'm feeling very accomplished today because this is my second podcast in as many days after a year-long hiatus, so it is a good feeling. I'm glad we can do it, and I told you we were going to pump some of these out. Normally, we're at our trade shows right about now doing a ton of podcasts, talking to our industry partners, talking to hunting industry TV people, and other fellow hunters. So it's good to be back behind the mic. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Today, I spoke with Chris Ham. He is the owner of HHA Sports. He is the founder of HHA USA, which is a charitable organization that services veterans, uh, which is very near and dear to my heart, as you know, because I work closely with the Neistat Foundation. And then Chris is also a fellow hunter, which it's always a pleasure to talk to hunters. So that's what we covered today during these topics. Some deer hunting, some trade shows or the absence of trade shows. And he introduced some of the new products that HHA Sports is pumping out this year. And then some of the things that his organization, HHA USA, is doing in the coming year in support of veterans. So I hope you give it a listen and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast. Hello, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's, uh, well, it's a Monday, so those are always an adventure, but uh, life, is, life is good here in Wisconsin. we got a few little pretty snow flurries coming down, and yeah, I'm I'm doing well. How about yourself? Not too bad. We don't have snow. It's just uh, rainy and dreary here down in Missouri today. Okay, yeah, we're supposed to. It's 25 right now. Tomorrow it's actually supposed to only be a high of like 16, I think, so on the low of 7 tonight. So we got some little colder colder temps coming, but that's good for the ice fishermen. So Yes. How has the winter been this year? Is it fairly cold or warm? It's been it's been really warm down here all of fall and and winter, really. It's been kind of up and down. I mean, we, uh, I'm trying to think when we had our first snow. We had some snow. We had snow during rifle season, I think. Um, and it got a little little chilly, and then it warmed back up a little bit and got cold again. And it's just been, I would say, average. It hasn't been too extreme one way or the other. We don't have a ton of snow in the woods, maybe maybe four or five inches. So nothing nothing crazy yet. So Okay. Yeah, deer hunt. Uh, it's only January, so. Yeah, right. Yeah, you got a good three months or two at least two months of winter still to go right two or three yeah we've had uh, we had one occasion here a couple of years ago we got a big snowstorm the second week of april so usually once we get to the end of the mar- march we're, we're fairly safe but there's always that <clears throat> that chance for that that weird one in april so yeah i know deer season was well it was it was pretty warm down here it uh it definitely affected my season a little bit um how did your season go up there we I, I hunted more this year, I think, than I, I can ever remember. I keep a spreadsheet every season just for all my sits, just so I can kind of track what deer I'm seeing where and just just have a you know a couple lines for comments and stuff. And I think between between archery and gun, I, I got out 62 or 63 times this year. Oh, wow. I definitely I definitely got my money's worth and spent my time in the woods. So <laughs> um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't harvest anything with my bow. I had a really nice buck that... Um, 
and I know a lot of people, a lot of your listeners, and maybe yourself included, will will put names on deer, mm-hmm. and I I really haven't had the luxury of having the same deer, big deer on my property year after year up until the last couple of years, and I uh, I had a buck show up in june or july and i looked at it and i'm like man that deer looks familiar and i went back and i looked two years ago and sure enough it was the same deer i had him as a two-year-old so he was a four-year-old this year uh-huh. um but he disappeared last fall and i think what happened I, I i killed my nicest buck to date last fall with a rifle he was a 153 inch gun pointer uh-huh. and i think that buck probably probably ran this one off so so i nicknamed this deer houdini and he uh because he disappeared on me for a year and he definitely lived up to his nickname because I saw him my first night out, which I think was September 17th, and then I didn't see him the rest of the season, believe it or not. No kidding. Um, up until I was getting pictures of him consistently, and I didn't see him again until um, our doe season here about a month ago. We have a four-day doe-only hunt, and um, I, I filled my gun tag a couple weeks earlier with a, a nice three-year-old nine-point that I shot but uh, was still after Houdini with my bowl, and just went out with my rifle to try to shoot a doe and wouldn't you know it i had had houdini at 100 yards oh, really? turnips and and just staring me down so yeah <laughs> um and then i chased him pretty hard between christmas and new year's our season ended on january 3rd and i, I saw him twice but just couldn't get him close enough so um my property's fairly close to a to a highway so if he if he minds his p's and q's and stays out of the road he's going to be a dandy next year so yeah. or i should say next fall so i'm i'm excited to uh to get to work on my farm and and just keep enhancing things and doing what we do in the off season to make my fall hunt more successful so hopefully i'll uh i'll be able to come back on and in, in october november next year and have a good uh good houdini story for you with the picture so right so does does that buck live on your property for the most part, he does. Yeah, and I've actually, yeah, I've got uh, I've got eighty acres of family land, and then I've been leasing our neighbor's eighty for the last three or four years. And uh, and my wife and I just bought that here right after New Year's. So now now we actually own the whole one sixty, and the bulk of the bedding was on the neighbor's piece. So okay, um, this is this is the first year that I really extensively put a lot of cameras over there and actually started hunting over there for the for the previous three years. I just kind of left it alone at the sanctuary, but. Now that I started to do some recon, yeah, it's pretty pretty evident that he's living there because I was getting getting daytime pics of him over there pretty pretty regular and could just never run into him. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think going forward, I mean, my uh, I don't want to get too confident, but I think my success rate's going to going to go up here quite a bit with a with a bow and and being able to take my target bucks because now I've now I own the I own the bedding ground too, so I've I've pretty much got it all now. So yeah, now are you guys able to do? supplemental feeding in the winter i mean that's what i do here at, at our home place to just to keep the try to keep the bucks that moved in potentially during the rut and have been hanging out because we've got some food and hanging out with the does but then i'll start supplemental feeding and it you know sometimes they, they hang around the next year so are you able to do that yeah we can't here not in our county i would say probably I haven't looked at the map lately, but I would say probably two-thirds to maybe even 75% of the state of Wisconsin, you can't supplemental feed just because of chronic wasting disease. Okay. So so we can't do that. But, I mean, I, uh, um, I've i got turnips planted. I've got, you know, a, a perennial food plot that will hopefully come back here in the spring and, and give them something. But that's uh, uh, one thing. I was just working with a good friend of mine that used to put food plots in for a living, and so he's, he's coming down this spring to – to really kind of take my farm to the next level so i'm going to have corn and soybeans and the 
whole nine yards here next fall. So, because uh, I've got a lot of deer, I just I got a feeling probably by February in another month I'm going to be out of food. So right. Hopefully they hopefully they don't run off too far. But if they do, that, that, that's a that's a one year problem because going forward I've got a solution in place to to hold more deer on my place. So that's good. What would you say the ratio of of say food to cover or field to to timber is on your place um uh, our our 80 we've got an 80 acre pond on it and then we've got a pretty big field so i, I my main field that i hunt off of every fall just over five acres but then we've got an 18 acre field that runs all the way out to the highway and i, I lease that to the neighbor and he farms that so so our our family land piece is probably you know 60 65 percent wooded um and then the neighboring 80 that i bought that's got that's probably similar. It might not have quite as much open ground on it. That's probably probably twenty twenty five percent field, and, and the rest of it uh, wooded. So, okay, that's a really good ratio then. Yeah, and I mean, uh, a few years back, I went in and did a little bit of select cutting. I tried to do some hinge cutting, and was was kind of a rookie at it, and it it didn't work out quite as well as I thought. But I, I had a sanctuary on my own eighty that I've, I've set aside, and I really don't go in there unless I have to trail the deer. So. Um, and the year that I did that, and then um, I've got a good friend of mine, Jeff Helmers, who's up here in western Wisconsin, um, does a lot of land management as well, and he, he and his daughter hunt exclusively out of elevated box blinds, so that's something I started doing about five or six years ago. I used to I used to be the guy that had a, a hang-on or a ladder stand in about every tree in my woods, and I, I, I took all those to the to the dump one day and recycled them and and now i've got redneck blinds all over my place uh-huh. <laughs> um, combination combination to that and having a sanctuary it seems like i've i don't have as much penetration into my land i'm hunting smarter than i used to yeah and uh and it seems like the my number of deer and my number of quality deer has really gone up since i started doing those two things mm-hmm. well that that makes a huge difference that's i always called it fringe hunting you know, in the early season, especially on our farm. I mean, I just, I hunt the edges and it isn't until the rut pretty much, you know, that one magic week that I will actually get down in the woods. But other than that, it's, it's on the edges where I can escape easy and I can get in easy without disturbing anything. So that's the way to do it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, for, for as much as I hunted this year, I don't, my entrance and exit route into my main two stands, um, I don't think I once bumped a deer on the way in or the way out. It's just they, they don't they don't travel that way until well after dark. So um, I definitely have that figured out. But now it's just being able to kind of close the deal on them and, uh, you know, get close enough to get them with a bow because that's been the challenge. It's, I love hunting on a field because I love seeing deer, but sometimes you're on one corner and they're five acres away. And obviously our, uh, our HHA sites are good, but they're not that good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep, I understand. <laughs> and neither and neither am I. So. <laughs> I understand for sure. <laughs> oh boy. Well, the uh, speaking of HHA, you know, normally we're wrapping up. We've wrapped up ATA show about now, and then you know I'm off the shot and doing all those things. But due to the everything going on in the world right now, those things are canceled. So you haven't been able to to personally release all your new products for this year um you're having to do it a different way this year huh yeah the uh the, all the virtual shows and i i you know um scott my sales manager does a great job of managing all that stuff even though i still go to ata i'm the i've i've kind of 
reduce my role as far as a, a frontline sales guy anymore. I obviously still know our product very well and still talk to people, but I'm the I'm the handshaker, the baby kisser now, and, and Scott handles that with the rest of our team. So I know that uh, that they were all busy doing the doing the virtual thing last week with uh, with the NABA show and the ATA show, and um, you know. Uh, social media for as much as I don't like being on there for obvious reasons at times. It's, uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a godsend for us to be able to promote our products because I've been getting, you know, text messages and messages through social media and emails, you know, people excited about our new products. And, um, yeah, it's definitely a different world that we're living in, but, uh, everybody's playing by the same rules. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I just, I feel bad for the companies that are, are newer to the industry. I mean, we've been around, this is our 37th year in business. I mean, people, People know us. They know our product line. They know our reputation, and we're very well established. But those those newer companies, I I feel for them because they don't they don't have the benefit of making those relationships and and having that hands on face to face contact this year. So yeah, you're exactly right. That is the biggest thing with the with the innovation. I guess the innovation room is what they called it. All the new companies to uh, display their products, and you know some yeah some of those companies. That's how they get known. You got to get your hands on them and look at them and and feel them and and uh you know that's that's what catches it you know it it doesn't social media and online and pictures just doesn't do a lot of those products justice but uh, no it doesn't but i mean like i said thankfully we've been at this long enough and our reputation is good enough i think that people uh people are definitely excited about our our new offerings i don't know how much of a chance you've had to look at it but we uh we got back into the stabilizer market for the first time and probably i'd have to look back on our old catalogs but it's probably been at least 15 years since we we dabbled in that so mm-hmm. we're uh we're very excited we're um we, we do have something new on the site side that has, isn't even on the website yet it's still new but um where we have a partnership with uh, with Hoyt this year with their new bow. They've got a uh, a pretty slick Picatinny rail system for attaching the bow site, and so oh. we're, we're partnering we're partnering with them. And uh, that that had a lot of buzz on it uh, just because Hoyt launched that new bow, and uh, us and I believe Excel are the only two companies that are doing anything with them this year. So we're kind of going to get a head start on that that side of things. So, um, but the stabilizers are are something that uh, a lot of people don't know this but 19 1984 was our first year in business and the first product that we ever had was a folding stabilizer so uh-huh. um and so we're, we're not new to the stabilizer market we've had two or three other models since then but have just been so busy making what we think are some of the best bow sites on the planet for the last couple decades that, yes. that stabilizers didn't really cross our mind but then as you know as as our brand and our reputation built it's like well yeah, we make great sites, but we could probably make other stuff too. So, you know, five years ago, we got back into the arrest business with the Virtus, and that's mm-hmm. been pretty successful. And um, now we're we're just looking to branch out into into a lot of other categories because we've we've done it all over the years. I mean, at some point, you'll probably see us back in the release business, and, and who knows what else. So, yeah, uh, it's just it's, it's we're just very very blessed to have uh, have the great loyal following that we do have. You know, at the dealer and the consumer level, and we're just going to keep making great products as long as people want to keep buying them so well let's talk about the uh, tetra stabilizers um and i i have been looking at them online i haven't got one in my hand yet but uh so i and what caught my eye is the adjustable stabilizer so you can adjust the the length of it that's the is it the lrz i think yep yep and that's something that uh, uh my brother does all of our design work and i've got a, a good friend of mine I've, I've known him for three or four years now he's actually uh on the board of directors for my nonprofit, but he, uh, he's a pastor for a church, but he absolutely loves archery and hunting. And he just wanted to, 
uh, wanted to at some point kind of get uh, get one of his ideas into the archery market, and so that actually kind of came from came from an idea that we got from him, and we spun it from there. So um, a lot of these stabilizers, and we've got you know the the regular LR series, the six eights and tens, those have a, a removable end cap where you can put you know one ounce or four ounce weights on them to to fine tune your balance. Uh, but the nice thing about that LRZ is you can you can micro tune that thing anywhere from six to nine inches in length, and obviously as you move it further or closer away from the bow, it's going to change that balance. So uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty slick system. I just started just started running one here at the end of the season myself. So, mm-hmm. and then uh, another thing that I like, and and a lot of times some of these bow cases that you you know you can't fit you have to take your stabilizer off in order for your bow to get in there. But with your quick disconnect mount, that changes that and makes it much, much faster to do so. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, something, uh, something that I didn't start doing probably until four or five years ago when, when we hired Scott, my sales manager, we started doing these, uh, these total archery challenges. And I mean, you get out West, uh, you know, shooting up and down these Hills, these 50, 60, 80 yard shots. Um, balance of the bow not not that it's not important here in the midwest but i mean shooting an arrow out there effectively at a at a animal or a target long distance is a heck of a lot different than than shooting on flat ground in central wisconsin at 20 yards right the 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 use of of a back bar or a rear stabilizer has really taken off in the last few years um and you know we've got our uh our v bar side bracket so you can essentially run a stabilizer out the front one out the back and you know now that that stabilizer system it's no longer just a piece of rubber or a piece of you know tubing hanging out the front of the bow to add weight to it it's a it's a finely tuned piece of goods that you can you can maximize or fully maximize the performance of your bow as much or as little as you want just by adding these different weights and you know if you want to run that adjustable you can you can fine-tune that just as much as you can fine-tune one of our sites right change the angle up down or change the if you want to call it elevation or windage on that i mean there's it's micro adjustable almost infinitely it seems (laughs) yeah and it's something that i didn't really put a lot of thought into until i started doing more of you know once we started our nonprofit and i started doing these uh these 3d shoots around the state you know some of them those targets will stretch out 40 50 yards or we we do our novelty long shot that's almost 80 sometimes and it's definitely there's a noticeable difference in the balance of the bow especially at those long distances when you've got that kind of weight on the bow i mean it does it does obviously add more weight to your setup. Um, I, I personally don't mind that. Um, mm-hmm. The bows have gotten so light these these days that I don't I don't mind loading them down with some accessories just to to kind of make them a little bit more dead in your hand. But yeah, it definitely it has definitely improved my accuracy at long range shooting with with both the front and the back bar. Right. Well, yeah. You talk about bows becoming lighter. You know, years ago I would always take my my quiver off because the bow was already heavy enough you know, especially hunting in a tree stand, but these days the bows are so light, I tend to leave my quiver on when I'm hunting. And what people don't real most people don't realize, novice archers like myself, I didn't realize it until, you know, some top shooters told me about the stabilizer bars to offset the weight of the of the arrow the, you know, the quiver and the arrows on one side of the bow, you put your your side your stabilizer bar on the side to balance that out. Yep. 
Yeah, and I think that that's you know that's another thing that has probably led to that uptick in the in the popularity of those sidebars is that more and more people are shooting with their quivers on, but that all of a sudden that throws your throws your balance of your bow out of whack, so you need something on the other side to offset that. So you're you're exactly right. I mean, I I only see more and more people using those going forward. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the adjustability of that of your V-bar bracket, um, you know, depending on how heavy your arrows are, you know, or how heavy your quiver is, whether it's four quiver, six quiver, the adjustability of that, that V-bar bracket, uh, you know, you can find that perfect balance point. So it's, it's, uh, definitely a winner. Yeah, no, we're excited. Cause I mean, like I said, our, our reputation kind of speaks for itself on the site side of things. We, uh, we, we don't we don't brag a lot. We try to remain as humble as we can, but we did get the uh, the Reader's Choice Gold Award from Bowhunting World for the I think it was the 17th year in a row this year for for top movable sites. So that's something that uh, you, know, you think about everything that's happened in the last 17 years and and the amount of competition in the room. We've got a lot of a lot of good competitors in our industry in our in our category in that site category, and we're, we're friends with all of them. And, and the fact that you know the consumer chose us as number one for 17 years in a row is uh, that that's a number one. And I, I guess it's a testament to our our commitment to, to making a good product, but it's also a, a testament to the loyalty of our fan base. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, well, that that really says something. 17 years, the amount of technology that's you know how how much archery equipment in general and sites specifically have improved in that time, and you know you're still the you're still the leader in, in staying pretty far ahead, in my opinion. Yeah, well, like I said, we, uh, we we like to be as humble as possible. We don't like to brag, but, I mean, it also, getting that award every year and seeing that seeing that thing hanging on the wall, it's like, okay, what do we have to do in the next 12 months to, to make sure that we get number 18? So <laughs> right. we're, we're constantly thinking of that. So it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's, <laughs> it's, it's pressure, but at the same time, it's motivation to keep innovating and to keep making – keep making good products and uh you know we're just we're very very fortunate like i said to have a have a loyal fan base a loyal dealer base and um you know between talking with them and then using social media i mean we're constantly interacting with uh with everybody that we can that uses our products to hear both the good and the, and the not so good about it mm-hmm. because i mean there's for as good as stuff as we make we're, we're not perfect we, we definitely have uh have some things that have to get fixed from time to time and improved on so uh we, we really valued that that input from our users to, to, to get those awards. I mean, I, I see those and yeah, it's, it's easy to look at them and go, man, we were number one again. Well, yeah, we wouldn't be if we didn't have, if our dealers and our, and our consumers that are buying the stuff weren't number one too. And so it's, uh, it's cool. It, it's a, it's a fun process and it's, uh, it definitely keeps us, keeps us hopping. Yep. Well, there's, there's one award that I want to talk about, um, that, you know, really catches my attention that you got from the ATA this year is the Impact Award, which uh, recognizes charitable work from individuals and companies within the archery industry. And you've got that through your foundation, if you want to talk about that for a second. Yeah, I was when I first got that email, because um, it came to my HHA USA email, and I thought it was spam at first. I'm like, what the heck is this? We didn't win any awards. And then I read it again, and I'm like, "Well, hang on, this is this is legit. This is actually from the ATA." And uh, I, I still don't know uh, who nominated us, but somebody, one of one of our peers, nominated you know my, myself and and our veterans organization for the work that we're doing. Yeah, it's like I told them on my uh, on my video interview a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm humbled and honored that uh, 
that we can receive this. And I mean, with bottom line is, is without our veterans, I wouldn't be in a position to even have a veterans organization to, to talk about. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, this is, this is the fifth year that I've actually been, been doing these, these shoots up here in Wisconsin. I started, and I know you and I've had this conversation before, but, um, for your listeners that aren't aware of what the honor flight is, it's a, it's a nonprofit organization that sends World War II, Korea, and Vietnam veterans to D.C. for the day to visit the, the war memorials built in their honor. And so I started as a ground volunteer with them five or six years ago and just absolutely fell in love with the organization. And um, driving home from the airport one night, I got thinking, well, man, I've got a really successful archery business. How can I leverage that success and all those connections that I have to raise money for this awesome cause? And so... Long story short, I, I put on three archery shoots in 2017. Um, I think we raised $15,000 that year, and this was just me working as a volunteer under our local honor flight chapter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that doubled in 2018. I think we raised 30000 We raised 45000 in 2019. And then at that point, I had people beginning to ask, hey, when can you come here? When can you come there and do a shoot? It's like, well... I, I guess it's time to start my own thing. So that was how HHA USA was born. Um, and then, uh, obviously, from your work on the break with the Meestead Foundation, you're you're very familiar with uh, with those go- with those folks and the, you know the 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. So that's something that really, when I started working with veterans more, that was a, a need that I saw. Mm-hmm. And so when I started HHA USA, we decided to donate the first 22 percent that we make every year to organizations like the Neestead Foundation. So we work with those guys. We work with a group called Wounded Warriors in Action uh, that does essentially the same thing. And then we work with Adam LaRoche and his E3 Foundation, which he does the same thing with that. So mm-hmm. um, even everything considered with COVID-19 in, in 2020, uh, we still were able to host eight shoots in Wisconsin last year, uh, all within about a two-hour radius of our, of our office here. And we raised $60,000. Yeah, that's great. And so, uh, you know, that first 22% is coming off the top. So we're going to have roughly, you know, twelve to $13,000 to split three ways. So, so the Neestead Foundation will be getting, getting a third of that. And, uh, uh, I'm excited to see, uh, hopefully see one of those episodes on the break. I know that's conversations you and I have to have and talk with Neestead a little bit more, but we've got some pretty cool ideas about what we could do with that, uh, you know, that money that we raise and where we might be able to get a, get a veteran on a pretty cool hunt and, uh, and get them on the break. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. We are, yeah, we're definitely ready to do that. We, you know, we film, I think I filmed, um, four, four events this year, four or five for the Neestep okay. foundation, various events. So yeah, there's always room for more. So yeah, I can't wait to put something together. Yeah, and it's just been very rewarding for me. I mean, I, I was not in the service myself. Like I said earlier, I mean, if it wasn't for our veterans, you know, I wouldn't have a business. You wouldn't have a TV show. That's right. None of us would be doing what we're able to do in this country. So I just I feel like we we owe them everything and seeing firsthand the benefits of what happens when you bring a veteran or an active duty service member into archery. And, I mean, it's it's life-changing and, in some cases, life-saving for some of these some of these folks and the things that they've gone through when they're in the service. So... Um, as humbled and, and honored as I was to get this award, I feel like that we're just on the, this thing is just in the infant stages. I mean, the, the future of HHA USA is pretty bright. and It's got opportunities to, 
to go in a lot of different states eventually and continue to grow. And, and my goal is to continue to use my platform to, to bring more more servicemen and women into our sport of archery. I mean, it's just everybody wins. Yes, that's exactly right. Now, how many events do you planning this year? Uh, we originally had 12, and then when uh, about a month ago it started looking like the winter ones weren't going to happen, so we uh, we unfortunately had to cancel our four indoor events. So uh, we're back to eight, and uh, I'm good with that. 12, 12 is starting to feel a little bit overwhelming for a guy that still has a full-time job. So I'm, <laughs> uh, as much as I hated to, hated to scrap those four events, uh, eight's just feeling like a good number, and I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about those eight events because um, – I've got, uh, you know, we've got a couple TV partners here in the state that uh, that do some online shows as well as some podcast folks. And so my, my goal is to have some celebrity or personality show up hopefully at every one of our shoots. So we're, we're just trying to trying to keep refining this thing. I mean, every year they seem to be getting bigger and, and more attendance. I mean, we've got, I think, close to 80 uh, other manufacturers, you know, peers of mine in the industry that, that donate products to us. So, mm-hmm. every, you know, it's not just your traditional 3D shoot that you go to. You come there and it's almost like a 3D shoot combined with a with a Ducks Unlimited or a Rocky Mountain Elk Banquet where there's anywhere from 40 to 60 silent auction items that people can bid on throughout the course of the weekend. And, you know, that's where we, we raise a good percentage of our money. So it's, it's pretty cool. People are definitely, uh, you know, I've met a lot of great people through it. And it seems like every year it just continues to grow. So, like I said, that's my that's my focus is to really, really perfect this model for what this thing is going to look like. So, whether it's next year or five years from now, all of a sudden, you know, maybe you call me or or somebody else calls me from another state and says, "Man, I would love to to start doing what you're doing down in North Carolina or Texas." Uh-huh. And and then we can kind of start branching out and, and having HHA USA chapters in other states. I think would be pretty cool because. Uh, I run our social media for that side of things, and every time I post an event, I'll have somebody be like, when are you coming to Michigan? When are you right. to Pennsylvania? It's like, well, <laughs> eventually, just hang on, bud. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely has uh, has potential to, to be a lot bigger than it already is. Yeah. So are your events posted on your website yet where people can can check those out, or is uh, it... The- the website is not uh, is not quite updated yet. I've been I've been blasting them out. I, I think I started right around Halloween, and I was introducing a shoot every week. So I mean, if you scroll back through our social media feeds, you'll you'll see the individual events on there. And I have posted a uh, just a snapshot of what the calendar looks like. But in the next uh, in the next thirty days, I'll have all those events on our Facebook page, and the website will be updated as well. So okay, and that's hhausa.org, and then your Facebook page is just hhausa, correct? Yep, and we're on Instagram as well. So, and uh, yeah, those events start. I think the the middle of May. I want to say like the 14th and 15th is our first one, um, and then we've got events basically every other weekend. I think for about a 10 week stretch, and then we take off for a month, and then we start back up again with three more. And our our last event is uh, is Labor Day weekend. So okay. Um, and I just I can't uh, I can't talk about APHA USA one without talking about my wife. She's just been a huge huge help. You know, behind the scenes, she uh, she comes with me before the shoots to help me set things up and um, helps me balance the books behind the scenes and, and make sure that all the T's are, are crossed and the I's are dotted. And then I've got a group of, uh, of six or seven have now become really good friends, but I would call them my volunteers that um, have a similar heart for veterans and they, they show up and, and help me do stuff. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's a uh, team effort. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be able to... Uh, to, to give back um, 
to, to such a great great group of folks and, and see the impact that it's having. Yeah, you're exactly right. It, it doesn't, and it still feels like you're not doing enough. At least it, it yeah, does I mean, for me. Can, I mean, and, and in my opinion, we can never do enough for those folks. But I mean, it uh, it makes a difference. And I mean, I've had a lot of people that have congratulated me on the award. You know, since we got it, and, and I said that's that's great. But my hope is that people will see it and they will say to themselves, "Well, I've got a business that's successful, and this is what breaks my heart, or what I think I could make a difference in doing." And I, I hope that what we're doing motivates other people to do the same thing. Yes. Because mm-hmm. there's so many, there's so many different causes around this country and around this world that need addressing. And yeah, there's there's organizations out there, but but uh, you know, sitting in my chair, I've been I've been blessed with an awful lot over the last 45 years. And, and you know, what can I do to to give back and and make the world a better place after I'm gone and make a difference while I'm here? Yes, that is exactly right. Well, tell us about. Uh... People want to take a look at your new products. They're going to hhasports.com and where else? Yeah, and then you can find us uh, Facebook and Instagram there as well. So, um, yeah, the the new stuff we're we're just just getting the getting the ball rolling. Obviously, uh, 2020 was a was a challenge for for all of us, and and then you know we got shut down for two months. So we uh, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. We're not quite where we'd like to be as far as production and. Uh, and shipping on this new stuff, and I believe it says spring 2021 on our website. We just we like to to underpromise and overdeliver. So I, right. I think that that spring that spring hopefully is going to look like in the next 30 to 45 days. I don't want anybody to hold me to that, but uh, I would I I surely think that we should be shipping everything by the end of February or the very early part of March at the latest. So okay. if we can. It's not ideal, but if we can do that, I'm gonna I'm gonna consider that a win. Just because, uh, like I said, it was a it was a challenge getting shut down for 30 days. We had, we had great demand for the product and we lost two months out of our calendar to satisfy it. So, yeah, no, that's uh that's industry wide though. I know all my other partners are, are in the same boat that you are. It's just, uh, just the, the times that it is. Yeah. Well, and it makes me all that much more thankful that, uh, that we make all of our stuff here in the, in the United States, because most of our, our, other companies that we source materials from are either in Wisconsin or Minnesota or Michigan, Illinois. I mean, we try to work Midwest as much as we can just to cut down on lead times. And so yep. um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not throwing any of our competitors that make stuff over the pond uh, under the bus, but I can only imagine the they're probably going through a lot more Tylenol than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah. Cause we, we, I mean, it's, uh, it's challenging enough when you're making everything under your own roof or, or within, uh, you know, a, a one or two days shipping to get other uh, other source materials. I can't imagine working halfway around the world in this environment. It's got to be a real challenge. Yeah, it is. It has to be. Yes, it is. Well, Chris, anything else you uh, can think of we need to cover in this in this podcast? No, I just uh, like you said, we didn't get to go to ATA. So I wish uh, I wish you and I and our buddy Tom Rainey from from Browning Cameras were sitting at a sitting at a table in a booth doing this face to face instead. But we'll just have to wait until uh, 2022 to do that, I guess. Yeah, I you know I, I dusted off this podcast equipment. 2020 was just a crazy year for me, not to mention with everything going on. But you know I'm I'm dipping my toes in other things as well, and um, this podcast equipment got dusty since shot show of last year. So I was talking about wow. that, how, how, you know, the one thing I'm the, the trade shows are a ton of work, 
but I always have a good time running into people that you, you know, you only see once or twice a year at these trade shows and, uh, you know, getting to sit down with, you know, Tom and doing the podcast with you and everybody else that came in. So that's the one, the main thing I miss about, you know, not going to the ATA this year. And But I think you can, you know, don't, don't let any more dust get on that equipment. Cause I mean, I, one thing I noticed right after COVID, I mean, I don't, I don't listen to a ton of podcasts myself. I listen to them here and there, but I know that our, our industry, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people putting out a lot of great material and, and with everything going on in this country, I know that the, that the demand for a quality podcast is, is higher than it's ever been. So yes. uh, I've always loved, I've always loved what you do. So, uh, and I know you've got a lot of other friends other than me that would love to get on and talk about what they're doing. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that was, that was my pledge for 20, 2021 is to do this more regularly and and uh keep this thing going so hopefully uh we can talk again later this year when you know especially when you get that that new site released with with hoyt we'll we'll take a look at that and really talk about that as well yeah no i'm uh i'm excited about that it's uh because we just we took a year off kind of doing anything site-wise this year just because we wanted to focus on the stabilizer line and then we'll we'll roll our sleeves back up here in another month or so and get working on 2022 ideas and 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 i know we've got some site stuff we're working on there but uh yeah the the, the hoyt fans i think will be pretty happy with what we came up with and and we should be seeing those you know in the market here in the next 60 days as well so it's uh it's exciting i just uh you know, on behalf of all of us at HHA, I just want to thank all your listeners that are already shooting our product. We uh, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing without them, and we just were very, very fortunate and very blessed to have a have a great following. And uh, and hope everybody has a great 2021. And and get outside and shoot your bows. That's right, definitely. That that that's the number one pledge. Just get outside and enjoy it. Or, or do do something, you know, right. fishing. Take a kid, t- take a kid hunting or fishing, or, or get on a bike, get on a kayak, do something. Get off the couch, and get outside and enjoy life. It's, there's there's too much doom and gloom on the news to to just sit inside and stew on that all day. Right, so a lot of good stuff happening outside once you get disconnected. That's exactly right. Well, Chris, let's disconnect from this. I appreciate the time, and uh, we'll do it again real soon. Good talking to you, buddy. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. This is Derek Dernberger, and you're listening to The Break Podcast.